Lizia Santos, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Fantastic. You and I are um, just, uh, we can almost see each other from here. Like I'm, uh, I'm in Tampa, Florida, you're in Orlando, and um, yeah. just on the opposite ends of the uh, I-4 corridor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait there. I can go outside and see if I can see you from there. <laughs> right, right. We'll see. But you're, you're really close to that space coast over there. Um, and so you get to see the rockets go off, right? The, so yes. can you, you literally get to go out in your backyard and watch the you know, SpaceX and NASA and stuff happen? Uh, well, we actually, we drive there. Yeah, well, yeah. but can, you, but yeah, can you see, if you wanted to, could you look closely and see it from your house or, or no? Is it not close enough? Not close enough, no. Okay. Like you would see, like probably, you know, as much as you can see from there. Barely. But yeah, you, it's, it's like, very cloudy in here too. You're less than an hour away from yeah. um, over there, right? Did, do you yes. guys go over there and watch some of these rockets go off occasionally? Yes, yes. Uh, one of my sons is very into this thing, <laughs> so this <laughs> stuff. So yes, we do. They love NASA. We love visiting there. Right. And you're yeah. on the Winter Park side of Orlando, right? So you're, uh, I think, right? Am I right? Winter Park area? Not really. Winter Park is north of Orlando. Okay. I so am. What part of uh, Orlando like, do you actually live? I lived in, a, in an area called Hunters Creek. Uh, okay. It's um, right in the border of Kissimmee, which is uh, oh, so south actually, of Orlando. Yeah, I'm closer to you. Yeah, yeah closer you're to actually you. this side. I yeah, get it. That's yeah. right, right. Closer to Tampa as well. Than, yeah. Than and, yeah. And, uh, and so you and I connect because our ecosystems um, almost touch, right? The Tampa Bay ecosystem, startup ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, very close to the Orlando Tampa mm -hmm. tech ecosystem. And um, you and I be, were able to meet, meet that way. And we just kind of, um, I was just, you know, kind of fascinated with what you were doing. Um, and, uh, and then I invited you to come speak at one of my uh, starter forum groups. And you said yes. Mm -hmm. And that was that was great. And you came in and you shared your story with a lot of other a small group of founders that we have in the area. Mm -hmm. And I became really fascinated with that story. Uh, it, was, uh, it was riveting, honestly. And that's why I was like, this is a riveting story in terms of what you went through to get all the way to where you are to be a tech entrepreneur, uh, an unlikely accidental tech entrepreneur, right? Very unlikely. <laughs> Very unlikely. And then, and then having made um, some of these, um, made, made some really, um, some really difficult things that happened early on, right? And that you had to kind of fight through and recover. And that's some of the stories that, that we're going to get into today that we want people to hear. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I wanted you on the show. I actually, having built a um, tech startup myself, um, a few, but way back in the early, my very first one. Um, a lot of, um, if you don't mind me saying, a lot of rookie mistakes, right? Is that a, is that a fair enough way to say, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to avoid them if you don't have any like resources like this podcast to help you avoid them. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, really I think most not, of us will do it. Yeah, so many people um, just we all uh, tend to just want to dive in, don't we? Yes, yes, you know? yeah. We'll just go with the flow with uh, like whatever we see. Uh, in front of us, right in front of us. That's what actually influences us. So I, I, I'll let you, you know, yeah. go a little yeah. bit further before I say more. But yes, you know, like you see, whatever you see in front of you, you're like, oh, this is what I have to do. But sometimes the answer is kind of hidden <laughs> a little bit more. Like you should explore a little bit more before you take any chances. <laughs> so right. That was a lesson learned. 
And that's a good place to start, actually, was um, the beginning of CityCat, right? I want to, you told mm -hmm. the story in our other group that we did, and, and I want to hear it again. I think people should hear um, kind of the origin story of CityCat, you know, and, and how it, you know, came to be, um, if you don't mind. I know, first of all, we know that you were in the, you were, you were a journalist. You had a journalist, you were a journalism career going, right? And then mm -hmm. talk about yeah. the day that uh, CityCat was born. <laughs> so, I, to give you a little bit of a background, I am uh, I'm Brazilian, so born and raised in Brazil, and I'm I'm part of a family that's very that loves traveling and it's very international, as like per se. Like I have cousins in Japan, I have cousins in Europe. My dad was an exchange student here in the U.S. in Michigan when he was 17, so he speaks English fluently, and most of my family lived here at some point. So we we're always you know all about traveling around the world. So as a kid, my favorite place in the world was airports. I loved airports. <laughs> airports were fascinating for me. Like I would trade anything to go to the airport and just people watch, you know, like it's so interesting. I also got to live uh, as a kid in a hotel. My parents were managers at this hotel and we had a little apartment on top of the hotel. Wow. And, you know, I got to host a lot of people and see people from all over the world. I'm from a um, coast area of Brazil, like where you see all those beautiful beaches that you see, like when you Google Brazil, that's where I lived, <laughs> right in from the beach. Wow. So, you know, that was always my thing, traveling, seeing, going to airports, interacting with other people, trying to speak English as much as I could to the point that I somehow, you know, learned English. I don't even, I didn't take classes. I just, I don't know, <laughs> figured it out at some point. And just so to set the record straight, Portuguese is the language that you grew up Portuguese, with. not Spanish. We, don't, <laughs> we do not speak Spanish. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was me as a person, you know, always passionate about learning about other cultures and also hosting people from, another, from other cultures. We, uh, as a hotel, I think we went above and beyond because we didn't just host them. We would take them places that was not required of us and people wouldn't pay us extra for that. We just love taking the tourists to, pla to places that we knew they were gonna love. So right. that was my experience growing up. And then I ended up coming to the US uh, at some point. I don't know if you want me to uh, go in there well, right now, but yeah. I wanna get <laughs> well, into that yeah. story, but I just wanna jump right yes. to, we're gonna come back to that backstory, but I wanna jump right to the day the day I found yeah. hit you, and I think it was at the airport, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. Actually, no? no. The most unlikely of places. So, being that person that loves traveling, loves hosting, and then moving to the U.S., I got to host a lot of people. You know, that's a thing about Brazilians. They they'll come to your house, mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll stay at your house, and they'll expect you to take them places. So, I've always hosted a lot of people because I lived in different states here in the U.S. And I, uh, I was just talking about that with my, my dad, actually. We were coming, driving home from my youngest son's first pediatrician uh, I remember visit. That you were, I knew you were yes. with your dad, and I was thinking you were so, coming back from the airport with your dad, but I remembered you were with your dad. Yes. So I have three boys, and this was my youngest son. He, he was two weeks, a week and a half, something like that. So most unlikely, like, phase, like, that's the phase of life that nobody is thinking about building a business, but I somehow, you know, <laughs> a business idea came to me when I was you know, lacking sleep, lacking everything else. I was just driving home with my dad and we were talking about this, like how my dad is, you know, I, I admire him too, so much. He, uh, he, he's always having business ideas. I think I get that from him. 
And we were talking about how traveling is just so much more enjoyable when you have someone that's passionate about hosting you, not necessarily hosting in your, in your house, but helping you have the best experience. And as we were talking about this, how, you know, when we go places and we know someone, it's better. Or when someone comes and I'm, I'm just telling him, you know, people think Orlando is about Disney, but look at Winter Park, look at Wintermere, look at Lake Eola, all of these places that people don't go. And then a, an Uber drove by, like as we were talking and we saw the little sticker and I'm like, dad, what if, you know, I had the aha moment. What if there was a platform for that where people could find people in places that they don't know anybody because if you have a friend you you call your friend right but right. if you don't know anybody in that place what if you can make questions what if that person can make sure that you have the best experience and what if they could introduce you to places that you wouldn't find otherwise and then i couldn't sleep anymore until i <laughs> <laughs> did something about it and i actually did something about it right like two weeks later you know so but meanwhile you I, were writing you were writing for um for a magazine or a newspaper at the time, right? I was freelancing uh, in different uh, places. I was, yeah, I was writing for a, a tourism magazine that's uh, published in Brazil. Yeah. Um, about It's all about Orlando, Disney, Universal Parks. And yeah. I was also writing for a business uh, website back then. Yeah. So I think this is where I started like having some sort of like entrepreneurial bug, you know, coming inside of me, but yeah, because, uh, because you're that, I, a little free time. When you're a freelancer, you you've got gaps, right? And so exactly. your mind your mind can get time to to wonder and think about things, right? Yeah, and as a journalist, you end up uh, knowing about what you write about at that moment, and then and then you forget about it. You know, we're, we're experts in learning about something very deeply <laughs> in like twenty and then, minutes, and then you just forget all about that. You gotta go. There's a new thing. You gotta get all yes. into that. Yeah, but at that specific moment, I was writing about business. So I guess, you know, those two things kind of ended up merging, you know, business and tourism it's because of that as well. You know, I ended up yeah. having the idea. Yeah. And so, so, okay. So you were riding the car with your dad and then you had this idea, wouldn't it be great? Like people to travel, if you could go to a city and if instead, if we well, don't have friends, if you could call, if you could connect with people that, that knew the area that would, mm -hmm. that would tell you where to go and show you around, right? Yes. And I imagine you immediately did some competitive research where you, uh, you know, found out there were no apps or no sites that did that at the time. Did you do competitive research first? I did. Yeah. And I found out back then that there were websites that locals offered uh, guidance, like in-person guidance. But most of these, there were two or three that I could find within the U.S. Uh, they, they could name their prices. Uh, there were people offering for free, like service for free. Uh, they didn't check identities. They didn't verify identities. They didn't do background checks, none of that. So right. now as a mom, I looked at that and I said, I would never hire that. No, I really want to have something like that, but I would right. never hire that because it looks sketchy. For me as a mom, I'm not gonna expose my kids to something. If a person is offering something for free, you know, it's yeah. kind of. <laughs> That's the, the concern. Yeah, yeah. And it went some, this idea would you would actually uh, be with that person physically? Is that right? That that was the yes, yes. When the idea first started, yeah, that was my idea uh, in person guidance through cities. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I wanted something that was family friendly, safe, not necessarily just for families, but something that a family would be comfortable in using. And that I didn't find anywhere. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so your first thought, and we talked about this was, you know, an app, right? You would say mm -hmm. like, 
obviously an app because that's yes. you know, we still we still love apps so it still would make sense today yeah um and so i've got a little surprise question for you that i, <laughs> <laughs> that, I uh, that i told you i was going to do because it's my tradition i have a surprise question for my guests that they only vaguely um could could guess but um if they wanted to right <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, so um, this is the question, right, uh, Lizia? So, this is the moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you, you, one should one should do if one wants to create a new app or website? They have a big idea. They're not technical, by the way. They're not technical. Um, what's the first thing they should do, and what's the first? And versus maybe the first thing you did, as comparison. Well, the first thing I did was just looking at what was out there. And I thought that I had to replicate the business model of what was out there. Mm -hmm. I was, I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> so just, you know, yeah, I was completely wrong. This whole podcast is about yes. lessons learned. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The first thing I should have done, I should have talked to people. Mm. I, I was under the impression that I had to figure it out myself. And then when I had everything ready, then I would, you know, come out and, you know, say, hey, world, here's my amazing discovery and here's what I bought. And I was very wrong. Uh, I was an ex unexperienced, uh, first of all, you know, I'm not a techie person. I am a techie, but I wasn't a tech founder. I'm not a not programmer and not a coder. So I, I thought that I had to replicate the way that uh, Uber was doing things or Airbnb was doing things. Mm -hmm. and, but I didn't know back then that they didn't start like that. <laughs> they started with a much more uh, simpler business model that worked for a while and then they kept you know, tweaking the platform. But they did that based on customer reviews, customer you know, the, the feedback of customers I didn't know back then. So, I thought that I just had to get whatever they had now and, and make it happen for me, but I was wrong. So what I would do differently, uh, I wouldn't tell the whole world about it because you know then you you kind of burn the bridges as well. <laughs> but I would have done a lot of surveys before. I would have talked to people. Uh, I would have found out first what was my niche. That was another thing that I, I wasn't sure what was my niche. I knew I wanted to do something family friendly, but in the beginning. I was going for everybody. I'm like, I'm just build this for everybody. And it doesn't work like that as well. If I had found out what was my niche first, I could have gone to people that I could have made a sample from those people and I could have talked to them. And I would have found out that what I needed was much more simpler than what I first built, like way simpler. <laughs> I had this very, you know, comp I wouldn't say um, complicated because they were simple, but com comprehensive UX, like full of different steps and stuff. Everything you could ever want, right? Yes, yeah, and I, people didn't want that back then, you know? So I could have launched uh, CityCat way sooner if I had done that differently. You know, I wouldn't have burned uh, like all the cash that I had. <laughs> I wouldn't have gone to, through so much, uh, so many stressful moments that I had uh, to go through afterwards. So that's, you know, I had, did so, I answer it? <laughs> so yeah, no, so that's great. No, great. So, so talking to your prospective users, your customers, getting, mm -hmm. finding your niche, getting all that feedback would have been, um, would have been a first step. And yeah. then, um, and then when it was time to 
build it, right? You obviously needed to hire a, um, or you, cause you weren't mm -hmm. a coder yourself. Um, there's a couple paths here, right? You can find a technical co-founder that will build it for equity and no money, but there's risks and rewards with that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Bringing someone in that uh, now has um, potential control and stake in the company that uh, may not, you know, work at the pace that you need or may not want to do it. There's a whole lot of challenges with that versus um, mm -hmm. finding a technical partner. Let's call it a technical partner that will mm -hmm. build it to to your spec and will work 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 with a good pace because you're paying them. Um, so so let's talk about that in terms of. Um, before you engage a developer, let's call yourself a non-coder uh, founder, before you engage a developer partner, what, what would be some advice you would throw out there, what you kind of did versus what you would advise uh, someone today on? Well, the coders, you know, they're traditionally people say they're in, introverts, you know, they, they, mm -hmm. they're in, in their own world. And I don't, you know, I don't like stereotypes, <laughs> right. but, you know, but a lot of the ones that I dealt with were like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah. Of course. So I'd say like when I, because I didn't know better and I, at least I was humble enough to, you know, yeah. admit you that I didn't know better. So. Yeah. Right. But I went for I went for them looking for guidance on on UX on things like you know user experience, yeah. And it's not their specialty, right? No, like yeah. right. they but they're know not going to they're not gonna tell you they're not going to tell you that. No, no, no. So you know it was it was more like a negotiation. I'm like, can you do that? And they're like, yes. Can you do that? Yes. And then they're like, well, uh, maybe we should do that, but the suggestions they gave me back were based on technology only not on the user experience yeah, right so yeah. i i would have done that completely different uh it would it when would you got things been... when you got things back they didn't they didn't look quite right no no because they didn't it's not their specialty like they won't think about the user they'll think about the technology what makes sense in the technology side and sometimes it's much simpler than that so if I had listened to the user first, I would have come to the developer with, you know, a fluxogram that made sense and that was much more simpler. And it would have taken them probably with the user, the, the coders, how did you call it? The coding partner? Yeah, partner, a partner. Yeah. Yeah, probably I wouldn't, what happened wouldn't uh, have happened because they ended up abandoning the project that was so huge because they found another another uh, company that paid them better for another project. If it was simpler, I would I would have probably gotten you my did, app. Did know, right. That that's yeah. kind of right. And that's kind of what you and I talked about before. And I was kind of fishing for was the um, yeah. the um, uh, kind of the 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 situation where you know developers you know the writing code and so forth. Um, the it's kind of like when you're building a house or building a building or a construction, right? Um, mm -hmm. you, you really need to sit down with an architect and sit down mm -hmm. with a, a plan or designer, right? To talk about the, the flow of the of people and all the, the human, all of the human elements before you start talking to the people that are going to put in the plumbing or the, the, uh, the, the, all the, all the, the, the physical elements of that building. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because like, if you, if you do that first, you might even realize that you don't even need an app. You could you could do without with a website. You yeah. could do with a third party uh, tool, whatever. Yeah. Which is what I had. Like I ended up doing afterwards when I had no cash. 
yeah, <laughs> to keep right. going. So, you know, I kind of traded, you know, like it wasn't supposed to be the first thing. And I could have had this cash afterwards to develop a further what I had. But yes, if you if you sit down and plan first, then it might it might be much simpler, much uh, affordable, much more affordable <laughs> to implement yeah, I mean, your idea. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever built a house, which I have, and a lot of people have, there's there's weeks of or months of, of back and forth with uh, with mm -hmm. the architect and and yes. and designers even like and work just you're you're talk you're not talking to the people that are actually going to build it right you're talking to the people to get the concepts of what you're trying to do from a human perspective and and, mm -hmm. and negotiate every little detail in advance and the and the, and the budget's included in that right and so then when you're finally mm -hmm. done to take it to the people that can build it and then like you said you then you get and it is a it is a common it is a i'm glad you and i appreciate you sharing the story because i actually made the mistake myself once um and it was very painful and expensive and it's a very common first step mistake that um that that um that founders make even if they're technical just if you're not building the thing yourself and by the way, even if you build it yourself, there's a whole bunch of other pitfalls that that are <laughs> that's so just because you're a coder doesn't mean that you solve this problem. By the way, you got a whole no. you're going to step in. It really comes down to I would even argue that a coder might even more vulnerable because they can build it themselves. It get it does get back down to like you said, uh, customer user interaction surveys, and then sitting down from a usability, doing all that stuff before you get around to building, right? Yeah, well, nowadays you can build entire demos without any coding at all. You know, there That's are right. tools for that. You just click, uh, click make a design and clickable demos. Yeah, yeah. So you can have people play around with your platform without ever coding anything, and it's actually free. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, yeah. And there's one. That, there's an old tool that I I learned about ten years ago that's still awesome. It's called Balsamic. Have you ever seen it? It's a it's a website no. Balsamic, like the uh, like the like the salad dressing balsamic ends with a q.com it's incredible it's a it's a um a drag and drop um storyboard ui ux um tool for anybody to just kind of create an app just by dragging and dropping because we all have it in our minds about how it should work and mm -hmm. it's great to kind of put it on paper first and then a developer can then like you know know what the heck you're really thinking right because if yes. they're if they're leading then leading then you <laughs> right you it's went through all, abstract, you know? all of this. Yes. yes, back and forth with them, you know, trying to put my vision into something that they can actually understand. Yeah, and it's frustrating because you get back, they're trying really hard to please you, but but yeah. they can't quite and they and, and they spend a lot of time creating something that they think you that you meant or that you like, and you're like, ah, oh, it's not quite what I meant. Yes. And yes. It's frustrating for both sides, right? Like yes. And a funny story for me, it was even like more challenging because I outsourced in Chile. They speak Spanish. I speak Portuguese. And they had one person there that wasn't even a coder, like a friend that spoke English. So that was, you know, we used their second language to communicate <laughs> about something that I had no clue about. It was just I was just using the best of my skills as a journalist, which is, you know, pretending I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> So Lizzie, I know, of course, Lizzie, right, right. That's what, hey, that's what every great entrepreneur can do, by the way. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's something definitely to be yes. about. Like, that's yes. what makes great entrepreneurs. We know how to paint visions and push people and push things along and make things, like, that's that's the gift, right? But yeah. tough question. Okay. When you were going through this, 
I'm going to call it a dark period. Like at first it was probably, if I were to draw a chart, you probably were very optimistic and happy. But then as soon mm -hmm. as you hit some of these issues, these problems that we were talking about, which were frustration and then also the money was a problem. Like how, hmm, how tough was it in your home with your, you know, you were a mom, you had these small children, your husband, husband, you, you've, um, you've raised some friends and family money. Was there a real panic period? Was there like a really tough panic period for you? I'm sorry to ask that, but I just want to, I think people need to know how hard that, that little part yes. is. Yes, yes, there was. And I can't, like, I honestly, I can't tell you how we survived <laughs> that period. Nobody's asking, you got it blocked out. <laughs> I look back and I have no idea how my kids are so smart nowadays, yeah. how my, my marriage survived, how I still live in this house and <laughs> nobody has cut right. our electricity yet yeah. i don't know i cannot tell you i am also a homeschool mom i we haven't mentioned that here before and uh i felt really really guilty because i sometimes we just didn't do school for like two weeks three weeks right i just abandoned my kids you were in a quagmire you were in a real mess yeah. right Yes, yes. And I am very OCD and I cannot function in a messy uh, environment. So sometimes I just had to choose, pick and choose, you know, like I, am, I cannot work with a messy home. So I got to clean up this mess or I have to do school. I am going to clean up the mess because otherwise I just can't function. And then, you know, I'm just going to trust that my kids will be fine if they don't learn addition today. Right. <laughs> they ended up being fine. You, don't, you, don't. So, you just seem so, um, and we're going to get into later, like how you've now got yourself in a really good place. And that's really wonderful. But it's, um, I know how tough that spot was because I went through it and I've helped other founders and entrepreneurs go through that really dark uh, area, right? Mm -hmm. And you just seem uh, like you just were able to um, recover and get yourself, like, you don't see you don't seem very damaged for it. you seem like you really either you compartmentalized it and fought through it but um i think that's just really notable about you right like um because i know it was tough so you you you're you know it was tough on your marriage probably it was you know you mentioned with your children um mm -hmm. was there a moment that you felt like you were going to give up did you ever feel like maybe this this is I'm I'm really freaking out. I'm really freaking out. <laughs> yes. Yes. I you have uh, a shoulder pain. Yeah. Yeah. My my left shoulder, uh, it really hurts when I'm stressed out. And I've had many moments like that when I, I just couldn't bear the pain in here. Like yeah. all my stress comes here some, some, somehow. <laughs> and I, yeah, I had periods where I couldn't sleep. Yeah. And uh, I gained weight. Yep. And I, you know, I lost and I am very optimistic as a person. I am very optimistic. It's it's sometimes it's, it's, it's ridiculous sometimes like everybody's freaking out and I'm like, this is going to be all right. <laughs> but uh, there were moments where I couldn't recognize myself. I never got into like into depression or something like that. But my reaction was not sleeping, you know, gaining, gaining, gaining weight. And uh, there was some point where I, I had to like do something to change uh, that situation. So I started with my own health. You know, I decided to go on a detox for a while. I decided I needed to exercise every day. And I realized that when I exercise at least like 20 minutes, even in the morning, my whole day was different. I could see things from a different perspective. So I had to change some things personally that really affected me and the business. 
because yeah, we have a body, you know, <laughs> we yes. cannot separate, we cannot function outside of our body. So I yeah. realized, you know, maybe I can, this is out of my reach right now, whatever is going on in the world or in the industry, I cannot do anything about that, but I can do something about me so I can keep going while I wait for whatever is out of my reach. So that's what I did at these moments. So you, so you got, uh, during those tough moments, um, you got really focused on your, um, on your diet and on your exercise. And, uh, was there anything else that helped you pull through that difficult time that you can think of? Uh, personally or in the business? Yeah, no, personally, no, personally. Yeah. Personally, was there family, uh, my family was uh, crucial and all of that, not just my immediate family, but, um, city cat when i first had the idea i brought it to my family uh, we're a very tight family and i have some aunts and cousins that live here and uh amazingly most of them have some sort of a connection with uh, the concept of city cat like i have people in hospitality i have people in human resources i have people in customer service all in my family that you know have specialized themselves in these fields so I, I went to them and I brainstormed with them and they gave me the hope to keep going. You know, they, they, wow. yeah. And I got them involved. So that's another thing too. Uh, we have a lot of family involved in City Cat at, at some point. Yeah. And that's also really, my, yeah. And also really my big. faith as well. I, I am, you know, your someone faith, that's, yeah. Family, your faith, your diet, your, your sleep. I mean, your exercise and your exercise made a big difference. It sounds like. Yes, too. it did. Yeah. All of these things, you cannot let these things go. I am not a proponent of, you know, like that 10 X thing that people talk about, you know, just forget about everything and focus on the business. You know, we've got to choose one. No, I, I, I think there must be a balance. The balance might not be, maybe when you talk about balance, people think it's, you know, let's just take it easy. I don't think you need to take it easy, but if you're going to be intense with your business, you've got to be as as much as intense with your personal life. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody can function like that. You know, like, yeah. let me just forget forget about me as a person and then focus on the business. If I'm going to be 100% in my business, then I'm going to be 100% in my family and I'm going to be 200% somehow. <laughs> but right. I got to have that thing going on here. My family, my faith, my personal, my health it has to back me up so I can keep going with the business because it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. Because, and that's the other thing. If you, if you roll the dice on, on all of that, it's too, the stakes are too high. If, if, it, if, um, if it doesn't hit, you fall apart because uh, you gambled your health and your wellness and you gambled your family, you gambled too much. And yeah. then when, it, and, and then if it doesn't um, stick, which, you know, very well could be uh, a reality for you, you could lose it all, right? But by yeah. keeping it all in balance, um, it's like a marathon, right? Like uh, you wouldn't sprint the first uh, mile of a marathon or the first five miles of a marathon because mm -hmm. you won't win. You won't finish if you sprint the first five miles. That's of a marathon, right. right. You yeah, have to say, right. "Hey, I could sprint the first five miles and show everybody how fast I am," right? Mm -hmm. But that's uh, not very smart, and nobody would be impressed, right? Like what matters yeah. is. Can you be there at mile 23 and finish? And that's kind of like a startup, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you know? it is. It really is. Yeah. You know? Like don't don't burn the bridges with uh, your personal life, with uh, the people that love you, that will be there for you, like no matter what. 
No, because right. even if it's successful, we hear about uh, about people that are very successful and lost everything else, and now they have nobody to share the success with. You know, that's right. They got to get all new friends, new family, yeah. new everything, right? Yeah. And it's much harder because now people they're interested in your money. So oh, if yeah. you have, yeah, if they're you have never going to be your real friends. Exactly. Yeah, that must be tough. No, I'm always thinking about that. You know, the famous people, the the friends are probably the ones that either were with them since they were kids, or yeah. it's you know the ones that are famous like them. Because <laughs> you know you can never know if people are just interested in your money, or in your well, success. You know, so well that's very important. Speaking of uh, speaking of famous, uh, we're gonna get to you a little later and all of your fame with uh, you know um, TechCrunch and how I built this and the Wind Lab. So we're gonna come back to that. First of all, um, I want to cover my little um, um, my sponsor um, for mm -hmm. the podcast, right? Um, and uh, our sponsor is Secure Startup. So securestartup.com is a one-stop platform for all the documents that uh, founders and investors uh, use back and forth when they're raising capital, right? So this is, uh, nice. um, yeah, it's really, yeah, you could use some, you could have used that yeah. a few times, right? Yeah, so it's like, you know, all the sign-offs, making sure that it's secure and all these documents and keeping track of um, uh, putting them in a safe repository and, and making sure that they're um, being handed off um, safely between investor and founder and getting the sign offs and so forth. So um, that's what Secure Startup does. And um, in it, we needed that five years ago, Lizzie. <laughs> right? We so needed that. <laughs> we needed that five years ago. And by the way, how long ago did you start CityCat? That's my curiosity, actually. So the, the idea is uh, as old as my youngest son, who just turned four. Okay. Uh, so we took yeah. three and a half years, maybe three years. The idea, yes, but then the actual business three years ago. Yeah, okay. it took us yeah a year just thinking through and not doing much, and then yes, yeah, we founded it officially three years ago. And something else that we have in common, I should have even mentioned on the front end. You and I, I both are TechCrunch alum, and we haven't talked about yes. that in a few weeks since our first yes. call together. And uh, that's a really cool little club to be in. And we'll come back to that from TechCrunch uh, Disrupt in San Francisco in terms of where I launched one of my startups. And um, you just went there last year, right? Yes, oh, last okay. year. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. I went there with the WinLab um, ladies. Mm -hmm. um, the WinLab is uh, this accelerated by Babson. And um, it's called Women Innovating Now. It's the acronym for, for that. Yeah. And uh, they selected some uh, some founders and we went to TechCrunch and it was amazing, amazing. Uh, the, the amount of people that you meet. Yeah. And it's funny because you meet these people that um, they're from like, huge companies, you know, successful companies, unicorns, and they're yeah. just walking, walking by. <laughs> and they, they approach you and they talk to you and you're like, freaking out in the inside yeah yeah, <laughs> Pretend, yeah. you know you're fine you're just fine <laughs> playing it cool playing it, was, it, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh like yeah. we made very important connections uh we had yeah. talks that we never you know imagined we would have in like that's very great. intense two days that's very great i i just couldn't believe that um because for me it was it was Long, it was a while back. I mean, I was there in, uh, uh, I'm gonna date, I'm gonna age myself, but it was 2008. Um, and they don't, I think it was only the second or it was only the second or third year of the whole thing, right? You, you were only 15. 
right? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, wow, 2008. But um, but I think I told you the story earlier. Mark Cuban was uh, our, our our speaker at the time, and he was he only became really famous a couple of years ago here in America with um, the Shark Tank. But he was tech famous uh, in 08 mm-hmm. because he had just sold. He had, he was one of the uh, he had sold his tech company a few years prior. And I got to meet him and hang out with him for quite a while and some other cool celebrities. And it was a really great trip. And so it's really great to hear that the TechCrunch um, uh, experience is still awesome, you know? Yeah. The speaker in, in ours was a Will Smith. Oh. Yes. <laughs> that's great. That's early. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to go back. Um, I want to go back all the way to Brazil. <laughs> so did you really grow up like right on like near the coast? Yeah, I went yeah, I went to the beach every weekend. But every I'm gonna be clear, I live I live near the coast right now, so the, just to match up with you, like you know, Tampa Bay, we're on the you know, on the Gulf of Mexico. But but you grew up in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I did, yeah. You know? I did. Uh very uh not just you know, the whole country is beautiful, but I lived in a very, very uh beautiful city by we had like I don't know, 10 or 15 different beaches. Like, God, it's it's literally in the coast. And our city, uh, they have very strict codes, uh, building codes. So they're not, they don't allow buildings in the, in the coast area. So we, it's very breezy. We get all the breeze yeah. from the, yeah. the coast. So it's very nice weather, very nice people. You know, you make friends in Brazil, like when in any line, like you're just waiting for your turn. Anywhere you make friends, <laughs> that's how we are. And so you were local, like were you? Um, was it a small village? Was it kind of the city? No, no, no. It's uh, the capital of uh, the state that I lived in. Uh, it's called. I mean, Natal. your part, but where I know the city, but you, where you grew up? Did you grow up like kind of out in the countryside or near the urban? No, no, no. The, the capital of the state, so the urban, uh, very urban area. It's called Natal, which means Christmas in English. It was founded on Christmas Eve. That's why it's called Christmas, the wow. city. <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually fun fact. Uh, if you think about the map of Brazil, like it kind of goes like that. Natal is the nearest nearest point to um, Africa and Europe. So back in Second World War, uh, the USA had a base there, and it really? was called the Trampoline of Victory. They would send the troops to Natal, and then from Natal to somewhere in Africa, and then from Africa they would go to Europe. Yeah. So everybody that went to to Europe uh, on the Second World War, I went through Natal. And wow. so, so we have because a lot it like of- the, It was the furthest tip out, you know, closest to Europe. In America, yeah, yeah. they would go, yeah. So uh, we have a lot of influence, American influence in, in the city that I grew up uh, in. So for example, the biggest shopping mall there, it's called Midway Mall. You know, like it's in English, like there's a lot of stuff that's named uh, like in English and people yeah. don't even know how to say it. <laughs> so they'll say it with a very Brazilian accent. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, there's always uh, very touristic. So there's always Americans, Europeans uh, around, you know, they own a lot of businesses there. There are a lot of restaurants that are owned by Americans. They retire here and they go live in Natal wow. because the, the currency also like a dollar equals now five Hey, ice, which is our currency there. So in here, you're middle class. In there, you're rich. So <laughs> you, you can buy yourself a hotel or a restaurant. This is why I'm going to retire down there. That's why I'm, I, I, I am. I am. So, no. And I'm not even charging for that tip. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate it, actually. Um, now, what, 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 uh, what did your parents do? My, my dad, uh, he's a pastor. 
so I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. Wow. And uh, my, my mom, she's an accountant and uh, she's actually in charge of uh, this government uh, facility that handles all the blood transfusions in the whole state. Wow. Okay. So she's, you know, the administrative uh, executive. Yeah. Like over, yeah. overseeing all of this it's a very complicated operations uh you know yeah that goes you know so this all can work out so you know i so, have a lot of business you know people in my family actually so what kind of what kind of um girl were you so to speak you know in high school and middle like were you uh very active in things were you um and what were your dream when what were your dreams and ambitions as a young girl you know all the way through high school I was always a leader ever since I was very little. I I never thought I had the age that I have. You know, <laughs> I currently had. You just want to be in charge. If, it was, if there was yeah. somebody to be in charge or to lead, yeah. you, you were like, that was you. Yeah. I was always hanging out with the older kids. And uh, I you know my dad being a pastor helped a lot because he always, you know, put me in charge of things. You know, I was always helping. I would, you know, organize entire church retreats. I would, you know, uh, had the children's ministry, all of that. I was always multitasking, you know, helping out my dad in his ministry. And I was always the leader of my class. I, I, I don't know if they have this here in the USA, but in Brazil, every class, like a grade, they elect a leader. And it's like, you know, the key person like between that communicates with the teacher on behalf of the students. That was always me. Yeah. So your dad, so in other words, yeah. your dad, is no one is surprised that you're running a startup in in America? <laughs> no, no, they're not. I was always the overachiever, always. <laughs> Nobody could tell me that I could not achieve what I had in mind. That was always oh. me. And I have a son that's just like that. My oldest son, like, <laughs> same way. I have to pull him back. You know, hey, come, come down. You're only eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel you on that. Um, and and so then. Um, you, you graduated uh, high school there, right? Um, college then, as well. College as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. journalism, and then, and then I came here. And then you went to a wedding in in, in the in, in uh, Boston, right? You went to yes. a wedding. You went to a wedding. You're one of your girlfriends uh, who's also Brazilian, right? Yes, um, I, had, I had come here before just to visit because I had family living here. But when I was 20, I came to visit my friend who was getting married. I came to her wedding. Yeah. And then I met my husband. Yeah. <laughs> then. Then he was here already, but he was also Brazilian. Yeah, he was raised here. He came. Uh, he was six when he came to the U.S. Right. He was raised here. So I met him. Went back to Brazil. I was already, I think, in my last semester of school. Yeah. So I finished, and then I came here. We got engaged, and I just got my master's degree here. We married a year later. How and did your parents rest. feel about that? First of all, they were happy. To, they probably were happy he was Brazilian, but but uh, but but you know, but moving away to America, they, how do they feel about that? So my dad's a lot like me. You know, he's an overachiever, a dreamer. I, I, they weren't surprised. You know, they always knew that I was gonna be the one that was gonna leave. Go, go chase your dreams. Yeah, they were always very supportive of my dreams, and I, they supported me a hundred percent. Like they helped me through, you know, because in the beginning I, I came on a student visa, I had to pay for school, you know, they did whatever they could to help me, to support me through this phase until I got married. And then my poor husband had to pay for my school <laughs> <laughs> right up front. <laughs> and well, that's you know, he, he married me, he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> I think, he, I think, I think, uh, I think he still got a, the better deal on that. 
Uh, it was good. The Babson was the college that you carried on with in Boston? No, 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 not really. So back then I had no idea I was going to be an entrepreneur. I had an entrepreneurial mind always, but I didn't know about that. You know, like yeah, I was, yeah, right. I always journalist. dreamed about being a journalist. Yeah, I always wanted to be a journalist. And because uh, I'm just very passionate about information. And I yeah. love, I also love the fact that a journalist gets to translate this very complicated thing into something that's digestible by anybody. So that yeah. was always my passion. And, and I always I go, loved tech. Yeah, can, I go go on a limb? can I go on a limb and say too, that, you know, journalists get to be in control. True. Right? A little bit, right? They get the, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of the narrative. Yeah. You're in right? control of the you know, narrative. You're, you're yeah. calling, you get to make the, yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of a thing, you know, entrepreneurs, we like to be yeah. in control, you know. And, that's right. And, and then if I think back uh, on college, uh, I don't know how it is here, but in Brazil, when you're about to finish college in your last semester, you have to, uh, there's this thing that uh, it's like a huge paper that you have to write. It's kind of like a book, like it's as lengthy as a book like a 200, 300 page thing that you have to deliver in order to graduate. So mine, because it was journalism, they gave me the option. You could either write the paper or you could do a, a more practical thing. So I went for the practical thing and I did, I worked on an animation and I wrote a script and I learned how to animate. And then I wrote a manual, like explaining how I animated and the, and the whole idea behind it. It was about the influence of soap operas in Brazil and their wow. influence like on cultural aspects of Brazil, because that's huge. Like in the whole Latin culture, soap operas kind of dictate, you know, the wow. next thing. So and then when I presented it, because you have to present in front of like the judges, you know, like some professors that sit and judge your your paper. That was one of the things that one of them said. He said, you know, you are very good at translating technical terms into something that people can can understand and i got offered a job on the spot by him because he, he knew about this tech company in sao paulo that was looking for someone like that hmm. but i was already engaged and i was already planning to come here so i refused the job and then like i look back and, and now i am a tech founder so maybe I <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah the, the universe was trying to talk to you and you weren't uh accepting yeah Exactly. Um, so, so, the, so what brought you to Orlando? Uh, so I, I, when I first came here, I lived in Kentucky. Uh, that was when I first started um, studying for my master's degree. And then I transferred it to Boston where my fiance lived. Uh, we got married there. We had our first son there. And then when he was about two years old, he, he was diagnosed with asthma. So from he, when he was nine months old until he was two years old, we didn't leave the hospital. We were always in the hospital with him. He couldn't breathe and but they couldn't diagnose what was the trigger and then after a couple months they realized no it's the cold weather like he's always bad when it's very cold because yeah. asthma is a very individual well, yeah, disease yeah. I, yeah. I had asthma as a kid and even to this day um if i go running in cool weather or exert myself i get this wheeze you get that yeah exactly so some people get it from the pollen you know it's different triggers for different people yeah. but for him it was the weather so that's when we made the decision to move down here. I already had family here, so it was you know easier for us to come. And I like Central Florida as well. Yeah. No. Was your husband able to do that? Or was he able to transfer his job or get a new job? He was an interpreter, uh, oh, a yeah, medical yeah. interpreter in Massachusetts. When we moved here, uh, he couldn't find a job in the area because and Massachusetts is very you know strict with their laws and medical, yeah. like the whole HIPAA protection of 
uh, the confidentiality between yeah. the doctor and the patient and all of that. So sorry. Okay. So uh, they need they they need interpreters there and the staff. And here it's not the same. So he had, he had to transition to real estate for a while, but now he's back at uh, interpreting. Yeah. Okay. So it was you know challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We but, to do it like guys, before you obviously put your child first. You just moved and said, we'll figure it out when we get there. For that's, sure. Yeah. Really yeah. Great. We wouldn't do different. Yeah. And so so the journalism thing and so forth, you're freelancing and um and then the big and then the big idea uh hits, right? With the uh, City yeah. Cat. And I know there's probably a lot of other details in there. Um let's talk about um, you know, we talked a little bit about how you raise friends and family money um and how you engaged with um uh you engaged with um and by the way was it just family or was it also friends on the on the money raise was it's it just family family, family. Just I family. Thought that's yeah. why i asked you with mostly yeah. family support yeah and, and then, it was an unintentional raise i didn't mean to raise i yeah, just you, had the idea and they're like i want to put money on it you want to give you money right and i talk yeah. about that with one of my startups yeah. early on like i didn't at my first fifty fifty thousand dollars i i i i received um, I didn't ask for it. It was from um, it was from it was actually a close friend, and it wasn't really family, but it might as well have been. He was as close to me as family, but he saw that I was taking the leap, and I was so passionate about it that um, he was like, "I want to, I want to invest," and that was it blew me away. I like, I wasn't like, I was so surprised, and uh, it was a really cool feeling. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> and that that specific person, I. That's one of the my whys, you know. I gotta keep going because I just want to give back to him so much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he right, right. In me. Yeah. Right, and it's so it's so special, right? That that's such a special vote of confidence um, and yes. trust. For so sure. you raised that, and then you you know you you worked with the development team. You had that struggle that we talked about already, um, and then so when you lost your development team, and you probably were out of money, I'm guessing, right? Completely out of money. Yeah. <laughs> How did you? I mean, and you didn't even have your. You didn't. Even, you didn't have a finished product. You didn't have a dip. Did you even have a demo? A working product? Oh. I had. Well, I had a, a an app full of bugs that I couldn't talk about to anybody. Like I could show it to someone if I was just side control, by side with a person, control. you know. Yeah. See, see, we're gonna fix this. I could, you know, advocate for it. Okay, let's but, pick you know, it up. I, Let's pick it up there. How did you, where did you, how did you go from there? Uh, the family was very important then because, you know, they were the first people that I convinced to work for me for free. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the new chapter, right? The new chapter is people that come to work for Lizia for free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I found out I have this talent. I, I, I'm really good at that. I, I can convince a lot of people to work for me for free. <laughs> Another key key uh, key hallmark of an entrepreneur. Of That's successful. right. Yeah. Well, I had to find people that would uh, that had these skills that I didn't have to help me think through what to do next. And uh, as I mentioned before, I have I had some family members that were in the hospitality field that were in uh, human resources, and human resources was important for me because the whole business model of CityCat. It's connecting yeah. with travelers and I had to recruit travelers and you know, yeah. there are a lot of intricacies that go with that. So I spent some time just brainstorming a lot with them before I took any other step. And uh, when we th then some of them showed interest to keep going with me. So we sort of had a team, our day jobs.
They would come to my house and we would uh, talk and talk and talk. We bought a, a whiteboard and <laughs> we wrote a lot on the whiteboard, <laughs> brainstormed a lot based on our mistakes, based on what we were reading uh, from the industry insights that were out there. Uh, and then like I had different people. I had, I know a cousin that wasn't in any, any industry related, but he was just there to, you know, give his opinion <laughs> as, as a consumer. So I, I kept talking and talking to a lot of people. It was that, uh, can you hear me? I, yeah, I got I hear fine. And so you, okay. yeah, so you were keeping, you were like, okay, I'm out of money. I've got a, I've got an incomplete product, but I cannot give up. Yeah, so that's when I did what I should have done. You know, what we talked about in the beginning, let's strategize, let's plan this thing. So I sat with the family. I also started, uh, that's when I also realized, you know, if I'd have talked to people before, I would have avoided some of these mistakes. So I need some guidance, I need some mentorship. So I started applying for things, you know, for accelerators, for things that I could get involved with so I could learn more. So that was the point where I got involved with Babson. I applied for the WinLab and I got accepted into the WinLab. So right. when I started on the WinLab, I didn't really uh, have an app up there, out there. I had a website, that's about it, and uh, an unfinished app, but I had this team, uh, you know, still working for me, helping me out in their after hours. And, uh, and that was the point where I was challenged by people that actually knew about what they were doing on finding a business model that worked for us with the resources that we had in, in, in hand. And if we didn't know about the resources, we had to go and find. So they challenged us to go and find the resources. They challenged us to find other monetization avenues. They challenged us to make do with whatever we had at hand, with whatever team we had at hand, and really think through uh, measurable ways to keep advancing. You know, not just dream up, but you know, let's get that dream and translate it measurable and attainable. Right. So we can keep going. So all of that, if I had gone to business school, probably I would have known. But, you know, I, it was a crash course, like a crash course, uh, a crash MBA. You know, like it was really yeah. quick MBA that I got to to go through. So I'm really right. thankful for for those um, those mentor, mentors that I got through the the WinLab experience. Mm -hmm. And that one specifically is uh, it's it's for women. So right. that was uh, to me. Uh, in my story, I wouldn't say, you know, it's it's a rule of thumb, but for, to me, it was very important that it was a specific uh, one for women because they really helped us leverage whatever uh, attributes we have as women and also the circumstances that we have as women, you know, that are unique, like such as being a mom, for example. Yeah. And uh, instead of looking at them as challenges, you know, leveraging these things to your favor. In your startup journey that was very important for me because i was challenging you know as we talked before like in my personal life i was trying to homeschool a, a second grader uh you know to kindergartens <laughs> and it was it was tough but it was totally worth it it was in miami i had to drive there weekly but in, wow. and like i would wake up at 4 a.m and wow. then drive there to be there at eight and then stay there up to five you know it was a whole day thing and then come back here and i would get home at like midnight you know and start wow. working the other day so weekly i did this for, for a whole semester but it was totally worth it because cha they, cha they challenged me in so many ways 
they challenged us to find other monetization avenues. They challenged us to think through goals that weren't abstract, but that were attainable, you know, reachable goals that we could actually, you know, achieve. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. also not just think through goals, but make them reachable. You know, like don't don't think too far ahead. Think six months ahead, a year ahead, you know, up to a year and a half ahead, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, that's and then they taught us this is how investors think as well. You know, they're they're looking for a return, like a three year return. They want to know your runway for the next 18 months. All of these things I had no idea yeah. before, I, before I started on WinLab. So it was a crash course. Like it was kind of like going through an MBA very fast uh, with with that experience. And that really that was a game changer for me. It gave me the tools that I needed. It made me think through, you know, not just the goals, but how to reach them. And maybe there is a cheaper way to reach them than developing a whole app. And that's what we ended up doing. You know, we found ways to recruit cats around the world. We found ways to close partnerships uh, with other bigger players than us. Just because we had a, because then we realized also, you know, not every single player out there will want to specialize in every single field. So they'll they'll partner up with people like us that have a very specific idea, so we can implement that for them. So I I learned that I could leverage that, you know, that skill that I always had. I always loved talking. I always loved leading. I always loved translating, you know, technical things into regular to into things that everybody could understand. So. I just used all of that in my favor and I started closing partnerships with people that were bigger than me. You know, I started getting the attention of people without having anything actually, you know, like wow. but people listened to me and that actually led me to TechCrunch. It led me to uh, being one of the fellows in the first How I Built This Summit. You know, back then I still didn't have much, but yeah. I had myself as a founder. You had this new belief in yourself and your business model, sounds yes. like, right? And not, not, uh, not the business model yet, just on myself. <laughs> yourself, right? Yes. And, and did you feel like it was the the mentors and the people who led the program that that really were the ones that really put that in you? Or was it maybe some of your cohort um, peers or was it a combination of both? They didn't. They weren't the ones that told me what my business model should be. But they were the ones that kept challenging me. Yeah, to, I mean, but you believe yeah. in yourself. I mean, that's what yes. I'm getting. This yes, part. yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. they led me to realize, you know, although you still don't have much, you are a CEO, and you have to behave like a CEO. Mm -hmm. So you know, start behaving like one and lead whoever you have right now with you. If if you don't have anybody and it's just you as a founder, it wasn't my case, but there were some some like that in the in the program. Still, you have to behave like a CEO because, you know, the CEOs build cultures. CEOs, they they get the vision and they actually make it happen. And if you don't think like one, you will not go anywhere. Right. So they, they gave me that confidence in the beginning. And I, they they led me to think through some things like, you know, as a woman, you are, you are a natural multitasker. As a mom, you're a natural multitasker. Why not use that to your... To your favor the fact that you're a woman doesn't make you weaker it makes you know it gives you these amazing tools that you can use to your favor in building the business so they helped me strategize they helped me you know really you know think through every single aspect of the business they kind of do that also like they'll do 
uh, a couple weeks on financing, a couple weeks on uh, operations, a couple weeks on team building, you know, different things of the business. So you can really think through that. So wow. that was a game changer because that's when I stopped and strategized. I didn't do much in development, but I thought a lot through you know the business model and how to monetize. How can I monetize in different ways, not just one single way, so I can become more sustainable? All of that, you know, all of the the lingo, the startup lingo, everything business related, I learned in like six months <laughs> throughout that. Yeah. yeah, that accelerator period. Yeah. And, and and had to learn it, you know, just in time, right? To save your whole your whole venture and everything you were going to try to create. Yes, yes. Um, and so you must have come out of those things so energized, <laughs> out of yes. this wind lab, so energized, yeah. right? Yes. And and so, how did you? Um, so what was next? Uh, did you did you find a new technical partner to start getting your product ready? I did, yeah. Uh, towards the end of uh, the program, I was already trying to find someone, and I found someone like amongst my own friends. You know, um, my best friend from childhood actually she married a, uh, a coder, so you know, a developer, and uh, he ended up buying my idea. And he became my technical founder, and so I, I had to make some changes. For example, like his specialty is is web apps, not mobile apps. So you know. I'm like, okay, let me think through this and ended up being, you know, a perfect <laughs> fit because then I realized, you know, through studies and surveys that most people plan trips and, and their computers anyway. So, you know, yeah, why, right. why go for an app? And also I found out that travel apps have the lowest conversion rates and, and, and all the apps, you know, all the app because, you know, people just download them for the trips and then they delete it. So why am I going to yeah. spend all this money in an app? Right. So all of these things ended up playing to my favor, you know, my, but so so okay so you, you've got your technical piece back on track uh someone you trust who's building it with uh, and you've got you've got your new mindset that you that you gathered down in the uh at the wind lab and this whole intensive semester that you're you're mm -hmm. you're, you're riding it and you know five in the morning you're driving to miami <laughs> and um and so where how did the how i built this when did where did this come from how did this come to how did this opportunity pop up? I think the the WinLab experience kind of woke up like this superwoman <laughs> thing <laughs> in me, where I thought anything I, was possible, and then you can yeah, do anything you wanted. I could conquer the world. I don't know. I felt <laughs> like it. It's not just the WinLab. Also, you know, the fact that I'm a mom really helped a lot. I don't know if all moms feel like that, but you know, you're you're have all these challenges every day with the kids. So it kind of gives you also the confidence, you know, to do other things. You're like, well, why you can't handle. I'm doing all of this, you know, why can't I not do something else? So when I was a fan of the how I built, how I built this podcast and when they first talked about the summit and they said, you know, we're going to select 18 companies to be fellows in this summit. I thought I could do it. You know, I, I just had this confidence. And my co-founder was always laughing at me. She's like, Lisa, you think too much of yourself. And I'm like, it's not that. It's not that I think I'm somebody, you know, like I just, I just think that if I apply myself, if people can listen to what I'm saying, I think, I think they'll buy my vision because it's been like that so far. You know, when I get the chance to speak up, to speak about it, you know, people people really buy the vision. People feel, feel they get infected with your with your yes. uh, with your energy and your yes. 
I think this is one of the things that I've been since I was a little kid. So why not? You know, so I, I did that, you know, I applied for it and I was confident about it. You know, I thought I was going to get in and I got in. <laughs> <laughs> this is reinforcing bad behavior, Lizzie. This is reinforcing bad behavior. Your, your no. co-founder co is like, oh, she just, yeah, she's now, she's never, now we can never say anything <laughs> to her about anything, right? Yeah, yeah I didn't get, you know, all, a lot of things of, yeah. you didn't get, to be fair. Yeah, there's yeah, other things. No, no, I didn't get success stories from everything that I tried. But right. that was one that really, you know, was very exciting. Like when I got the email, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I could, I could and I couldn't. Because, you know, like, yeah, you're right, always I get that. yeah, yeah. I get that. And so they flew you out there. Yeah, yeah, I flew to San Francisco. I was a part of the summit. They, it was a pretty, pretty cool experience. They had a VIP dinner the, the night before, and like all of these amazing founders were there, like uh, VCs from all over San Francisco. I got to meet one of the Airbnb founders as well, and uh, we got to chat, and my son just came in, sorry, and now he left. Okay. Okay. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> uh, part of the story, it's okay. Yes, right. <laughs> so you're out there for, for uh, you be, uh, to be able to. It's like a little conference uh, of people. But but how I yeah. built this is kind of a show. So how how does it how is that the same thing? Uh, how is it like the? Yeah, the, the, the yeah, they do the they do the, the interview. They talk about. So how they brought they brought some of the people that they had interviewed for the podcast before uh, on the stage to kind of retell the story and uh, like the the host kind of had a chat with them. And uh, it was a small summit. I, I don't think they allowed many people to sign up for it. But um, like everybody that was there, they were all entrepreneurs. Uh, the other founders with uh, me that were part of the fellowship, they made us feel like very special. Like they saved the first seats for us. Um, and like we were we were treated like as royalty there. I was, it was amazing. I couldn't believe myself. And uh, like the night before on the, the dinner, the VIP dinner, we, we had like one-on-one -on -one interactions with all of these people. And like, I realized then like how normal all of these people are as well. Like, cause you see from afar and you think, you know, yeah, they're yeah. these, you know, superstars yeah. that are unreachable, but then you get to talk to them and you realize them that, and you're like, just regular. Yes, regular Joes, just like us, you know. So I, I met Joe Gabbia there from Airbnb. I was just signing up for my thing. Like once you got there to the VIP dinner, I was just signing up. And then I turned around and he's right there next to me. And I'm like, wow, he looks a lot like Joe Gabbia from Airbnb. <laughs> and, then, and then another girl approaches him and says, you know, you look a lot like Joe Gabbia. And he's like, no, it's not me. It's, it's not. <laughs> But the thing is, I had had a problem with my Airbnb stay. I had booked an Airbnb and I couldn't reach my host. He wow. wasn't replying to my Perfect message. opening. This is, I see it. Yes. So I know I used that and I started talking to him and he actually helped me. He, like he got his phone. He opened the app. He what? helped me reach the person. Yes. And then after yeah, technical that. Technical support from <laughs> From him. Yeah. No kidding. He was very nice to me. And then like someone else came and broke up that like people realized it was him. Afterwards up there, when we went up to the dinner area, we got to talk about, uh, again, but about my business then, you know, like the whole city cat idea. And I asked him about uh, Airbnb experiences. We always get compared to Airbnb experiences. 
And I told him, you know, I, I love Airbnb experiences, but it's just not a fit for families. For many reasons, it's not affordable. You know, the average experience is 150 per person. If you like, if you have a family that's five people like me, that adds up to 750 for a two hour experience. I cannot deal with that. Uh, I said, you know, I said him, I told him my reasons and he actually agreed with me. It was a very like out of this world experience where he said, you know, yeah, I, I see your point. And uh, to your point, uh, we are reaching out to younger millennials. That's our niche. And uh, we're serving them. Individual. Yeah. Individuals that have money and they don't have families yet. That's our niche. And I can see the need to something like CityCat to your niche. So like I got what I needed, you know, like the feel that I needed from someone that actually saw saw the opportunity on CityCat. And then awesome. the next day he was a speaker at the conference. And after he spoke, he was walking around uh, the area there and then he saw me and then he came and followed up with me about my stay. Like he wanted to know if I got it all Everybody, right now. Everybody's like, whoa, why is he so special? <laughs> Amazing customer service. I got to tell you, you know, like he remembered me and he checked up on me. So, you know, I felt very honored. You know, I actually, I wrote a blog post about that, you know, how, you know, I got customer service, five-star customer service from the Airbnb founder himself. So. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. So this, this, the, the big takeaway on this, by the way, is kind of like, going for things and believing in yourself and then knowing that it could happen. Like with the Tampa Bay wave, I think you know a little bit about us, the Tampa Bay wave. We have, we have a, we're like the largest uh, startup accelerator in Tampa Bay and we've, mm -hmm. we're 12 years old now. We started as a meetup, but our, our founder, um, she, um, uh, she, she applied for a million dollar grant and she had never applied for a grant before. And, um, and it was a matching million dollar grant. She had to have a million to get the million. And it was out of Washington, D.C. And, uh, and, and she won that thing. And it changed the whole, it changed the way, like what we do, like we were, went from a meetup to like a startup accelerator with a physical like 10,000 square foot facility off of this thing. And it was just all about believing and giving it a shot and believing in yourself, right? Yes, yes. It's not surprising, not surprising it was a woman, by the way, that, that did that, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, like in the beginning, I thought that I had to have everything figured out before, you know, I went out in the world and then it was a big mistake. Now I realize, you know, people don't expect you to be perfect. No. And that they actually relate to you better when, when you're yourself, when you're authentic, you believe in yourself, but as, as, at the same time, you're being authentic here about your mistakes, about what you don't have yet and yeah. what you have yet to conquer, you know, and, yeah. and people support you more than you think, you know. They're more likely to support you when you're like only halfway on your journey than when you think you're already there. Like they're more actually they're more likely to support yeah. you when you're just barely started your journey. They, they somehow it draws people in, doesn't it? That's that's right. And even with the cats, when we we started recruiting the city cats in cities, and we were pretending to be something. We didn't have that much traction, but then we when we started to be honest about it and reach out and you know actually say we're a startup. We're just a team of three. Uh, we don't know what you were doing yet, but we would like you to join us. We had much better uh, traction then. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's so weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. By the way, it just makes me think of my sales training by 15 years ago, 20, almost 20. When I was in enterprise sales, I would sell big six-figure enterprise software, like big, big ticket stuff. And we had this thing called Dummy Up. It was a training. We had sales training. It was called Dummy Up. It was like the dumber that you 
as a salesperson, you thought your job was to be knowledgeable in everything about your product. But in fact, the, the salespeople that did the best were the ones that like were confused and didn't really know their product and they would ask for help. Like even the old door knocking person, the old door knocking salesperson to walk in and talk to the receptionist and be very confused and lost. People want to help you. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's even if you right. want to get yeah. to the if you want to get to the C level, if you want to get to the CEO and you have to get through the gatekeeper, which may be the executive assistant or something like that, be lost and confused and people <laughs> don't be don't be somebody who has everything buttoned up and has the answers. Nobody wants to help that person. Yeah, yeah. Well you sound like a jerk when you like yeah. pretend yeah, you know everything else, you know. Right. You're be not relatable. Yeah. Be, be yeah. vulnerable and be incomplete and vulnerable and people like want to help you. It's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a power in the universe that. Yeah. Cause at the same time, also when you're vulnerable, you're giving them the opportunity to help you and they feel part of it. You know, they feel empowered to help, you know, that's what I that's found right. with my team, with my whole team. Now, now I have a team, you know, that's bigger and that's what I do with them. I, when I don't know something, I tell them, I don't know, ask for the feedback and you know, I've seen them grow before my eyes from you know people that knew nothing about they were what they were doing now they're so knowledgeable and they, they they're just shining through you know i remember sarah blakely from spanx you know her first hire was a pr person which who was not a pr person was just a girl that she met that was very outspoken and she's like well i need a pr person could you do it and the, she's like I, I don't know anything about it well but i believe you can because you're outspoken okay and they they learn together they right. grew together and you know that's the There's that's so the much thing motivation and power in that so much energy and power in that right yeah and, and it almost is a challenge to someone like when you get further along to actually when i said dummy up earlier this idea i hate to say it this way but when we were learning sales training like pretend to be less smart than you are it's meaning like, so right now it's easy when you're coming up to be like, I don't know, but later when you're further and you're further in success, it's hard to actually pretend like to be, I hate to say pretend, but like be, project yourself even more vulnerable than you really are because it, it relaxes people and invites them in. And that takes a lot of extra discipline and a lot of extra talent to actually do, like the Airbnb founder. There's a great example. The, this Airbnb founder you talked about, right, Gabby, mm -hmm. right? Joe um, Gabby, Gabion, yeah. Uh -huh. um, he he didn't he 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 kind of showed you vulnerability. It seemed it sounds like just in those interactions, right? Because he's somebody right. who's way up here. But um, he just chose to not um, you know he that allowed lots of things to happen, right? Yes. And that's, yes. That's learned. That's a that's, that's right. A yeah. Very sophisticated thing. Yeah, and also with team building too. Like I I realized. Uh, after you know this grew up a little bit our team grew up a little bit and i kind of used the same thing over and over again like the vulner vulnerability uh, thing you know that in my case i wasn't trained for that i was actually being vulnerable but uh, it, it uh in our case it went from being just a thing that i did to being part of the culture so for us now we hire based on skills not on resume in, uh, in our interview process, uh, we're very vulnerable. We tell people, you know, this is our need. This is where our skills, we don't have skills in this area. We need someone that comes with these skills. And uh, we don't take into consideration the resume. We want to hear about people's skills. And then it's this exchange of vulnerability that we have with the person that we're interviewing, that it's very authentic and, and automatically creates a bond 
that you know makes us a, a big family. My That's team amazing. is my team is a big family. Like we were very open with our vulner vulnerabilities and also everybody knows very well each other's skills. Like we know she is skillful in this and he's skillful in that. And it's this exchange, like uh, uh, continuous exchange of information and, and being vulnerable and being authentic. And it just works very well for us. And everybody that comes in has to come into this dynamics. We don't want to change that. That's amazing. This, this is the best part. So that's actually a pretty great segue into how we want to wrap up, which is really the, the, the status of things at CityCAD and, and how you guys have survived the pandemic and, um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, just how you're doing now and, and how you're able to grow right now. Like what's the, the state of, uh, of things? So the pandemic uh, humbled everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody had to rethink their strategies. Uh, even the biggest players, you know, had to stop and, and rethink. Uh, with us, uh, we had to change a little bit of our concept. Uh, before the pandemic, CityCat recruited locals in cities and tested and trained them. But average shows anybody that uh, had lived in a city for more than five years, so it was eligible, and, and also they had to be older than 21. But uh, we had the idea for the future to do something that we call the VIP cats. Uh, I, I don't think we explained that in, in yeah, this I podcast. Remember, yeah, but, you know, on, the last, on the last, you talked about it, right? And no, you no, actually, no. Hmm. Yeah, no, but I mean here, like the CityCat oh, concept. Yes, so that, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. So the CityCat is a platform that connects travelers with locals and destinations for, for an exchange of information. So you're looking to plan a trip uh, to somewhere that you haven't been before. So the CityCat is the person, the local that we have recruited and tested and trained that will help you plan your trip with... Uh, relevant and up-to-date information and also based on whatever you expect from that trip so it's a very personalized service it's not uh they're not selling you an experience they're not selling you a package they're not booking things for you they are locals who are based on what you tell them they're giving you the information that you need so i'm a vegan i need to know the best vegan restaurants I am, I'm traveling with my kids. What would be the best approach, you know, in this city? Uh, where, where are the playgrounds so I can take breaks? Uh, you know, things like that. So th that's what the city cat is. So before we were trying to connect people with average Joes that we were training. With the pandemic, it made us rethink our strategy and we wanted to do in the future something that we call the VIP cats. So the VIP city cats would be people that uh, after getting a lot of good ratings, they could go up uh, in the system and earn more or it would be influencers that because they already have a following, they could already start with a VIP cat status because they could bring their followers and also people could verify their identities on their social media profiles. Yeah. With the pandemic, uh, it changed everything because we always knew that CityCat was for the cautious traveler, the cautious traveler, the one that likes to plan ahead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Before the pandemic, this was uh, you know, a percentage of the whole travel, you know, uh, but that public. percentage grew yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic just made like almost everybody into a cautious traveler. So now we're like, well, uh, maybe our cats have to also be upgraded now to so so this cautious traveler can get more comfortable with the planning and trip in a world post-COVID. So we decided that our cats now had to be all of them had to be influencers. They all had to have a presence in some sort of social media, but we're focusing on Instagram now. 
because then the travelers, before they hire the service of a cat, they can go and visit their profiles and check their photos, see if they're knowledgeable, see if they're fit also, you know, because we have different styles, everybody has different styles. So you go to their Instagram account, you'll see, you know, this person uh, has the same taste as, as I do. And yeah. I, I, can, I can see myself trusting that person before I hire the person. So it added that trust uh, to the service, trust element to the service. So that's what we did. Uh, and with that change, we've been getting uh, much more traction uh, because actually like before there, you could find, you know, the services that I mentioned before where you can hire a local to uh, guide you out there, but uh, it wasn't too as safe as CityCat, but now we have this extra element. Nobody has done that specific thing where you can hire an influencer to help yeah, you. Yeah, it. so this is something like this is and, like isn't just somebody um, that uh, a mystery person that is being assigned to you. This is someone who is really out there yeah. and really putting who really is publicly facing in terms of what their uh, interests are, especially on Instagram, right? I would imagine yeah. Instagram is your yes. number one, uh, the number one place that you look, I would guess. It is the the one now that we're starting with Instagram. So yeah, it, they're out there, they're being vocal about their love for their cities. Uh, you might be following them already, these influencers. So like, they'll tell you, you know, I'm with CityCat now, if you want my help, go on CityCat yes. and hire me. So you can yeah. hire them like in a safe way the platform and at CityCat, uh, after we started get, getting feedback from a lot of people, we found that most people uh, still want to have a place to plan trips, but they can find it on the internet. There's a lot of trip planners, but they're very complicated. They, they have a lot of extra features that they don't really want. It makes right. the whole experience complicated and yeah. people were actually looking for something simple. So we decided to connect people, uh, connect travelers with locals through a trip planner. So yeah. we created this trip planner that's very simple, straightforward, kind of like modeled after, you know, iPhones where you just have yeah. one button and you don't have to go too far to get yeah. the thing done. And so the city cat comes inside your trip plan. You invite them kind of like Google Docs. When you invite someone to edit a document with you, you invite a city cat to come and plan with you. And you can also invite friends and family, whoever's joining you on the trip, and you can talk in a forum and discuss ideas. So it's a, right. what we're, we're calling it now a social trip planner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Maybe you should call it Insta planner. Uh, Ooh, you want me to change uh, my name? I had a person who said the city cat's a stupid name, like in the beginning. No. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, but no, this idea of, of you kind of you kind of blending in Instagram with with trip planning. I think yeah. at a very basic level, like that's very powerful because people know Instagram is really big, and Instagram is all about visuals and pictures and and taste and interest mm -hmm. and, the, and the trip planning and travel. Mm, it's really it's really powerful. And so you okay. with so with with the pandemic and COVID, you decided to really kind of uh, raise the bar on the level of the of the the cats so to speak and um, in terms of what you're delivering to people and I think that's smart so this is one of those things that was a blessing has become a blessing in disguise yes it for sure it was a blessing in disguise for us I think it challenged us to rethink again and now at this point, at this point, I am just addicted to this. You know, I, I love everything. You, you, know, you, you, you just, you know, it's coming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know it's I, coming. Don't, I don't see that as a, 
now to me it's a blessing it's always an opportunity to improve always an opportunity to listen i've become a good listener through my journey now i listen before i do anything uh of course at the end you know i'm the one making calling the shots but i i do make my decisions based on on feedback from customers from my team from from the circumstances around me i think you know there's the the whole lean startup you know concept that i'm sure you're familiar with oh yeah yeah, I Air, am, Air I, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, I, I really like that. And I that's what I'm adopting now from now on. We should, have, we should have gotten you that book the very first day. Yes, I know. <laughs> if you're right. listening to this, please buy the Get book. That book, right? <laughs> um, and so this is this is great. Uh, I think a lot of people, by the way, we'll put that in the show notes. You know, this that book. You know that we yes. want. We, we're trying to uh, we're trying to get upstream to aspiring entrepreneurs that are that haven't made the leap yet, so they can get some of this basic stuff that mm -hmm. that we you know most of us have to learn after we get out there and struggle and 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 stumble. Right? Like mm -hmm. like wouldn't it be great if you could get all that before you made the leap, so you could you know make this. Yes. Make, yeah. Yes, listen to stories uh, also, you know, like I, the, the other thing that I found throughout this journey is that, you know, when you label the startup, people expect you to go through the startup journey, uh, like the average startup journey and be yeah. an average founder. And uh, it's not going to go like that for everybody. It didn't go like that for me. There are some things that, you know, yes, they happen, but I'm, I'm not your average founder. I'm a mom. Yeah. Okay three boys. I'm a homeschool mom, you know, yeah. I'm a journalist. I, I am not a tech founder and now I am in, in charge of a tech uh, travel company. I'm not even in travel. I don't, I'm not a hospitality major. I'm a journalist. <laughs> you know, so it's very unlikely. Right. And you know, if I had to adapt to whatever they expected from me from, for, for being a startup, it wouldn't work out. And, uh, right. the, the, moment that I stopped to listen to other founder stories, you know, the, the ones that now are very successful from the past, you know, I realized they didn't follow that path, you know, no. they all went through different paths. I am a fan of Sarah Blakely from Spanx. I love how authentic she is, how she didn't compromise any of her values. I remember she tells a story about when once these two guys came up to her and said, you know, you want to open a business? It's war. Be ready for war. And then she went back home and she cried so much. And she said, yeah, I yeah. don't want to go to war. Yeah, I just want to be myself. <laughs> yeah, it's not. War. Yeah. war is like a male. I'm sorry. War is like a male construct. Yes. It's not a female, yes. it's not a female construct. Yes. And I'm with her. You know, I don't want to compromise who I am. I want who I am to be a part of my business and, and to really be incorporated into the culture of the business. And that's when I started actually getting traction when I, you know, just, okay, let me filter whatever advice I'm, it's coming from, you know, the whole startup uh, culture thing. I am going to filter that and I'm going to make decisions and myself and some things I'm going to implement, some things I'm not going to implement. I'm just going to go with my hunch and see what, yeah. what happens. And I, I can always change. I loved homeschool because of that. You know, that's why I, I chose homeschool for my kids because I can always change based on, you know, their feedback, uh, their right. pace. And the same goes now for, for my business. You know, I, I decided that I'm not, I'm, I'm always going to keep changing. I'm yeah. doing better decisions because times are going to change. Circumstances are going to change. The customer is, gonna, is going to change. So that's, that's me now. Yeah. <laughs> check back with me in a couple of years, but I think it's going to be like that forever. <laughs> 
I, I get it. I get it. I think it's fantastic. Um, and so, so you're actually international now too, right? I like am. You're starting to, you guys are starting. How, how long have you been doing things out of the U.S.? How long has this been going? Uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, we got approached by uh, JETRO, Japan Trade Organization, and to consider launching in Japan with the Olympics. Wow. Oh, that's... Yeah. 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 So that, that actually... I always had a dream to go international. I want a city cat to be your go-to source of information for any trip around the world, kind of like, you know, Airbnb is now for your yeah. stay. But I... I didn't know where to start, so that was that was a first uh, the first step for us, and then then we decided to also consider going to other places as well. So we literally started with the list of ten most visited places by Americans, and then, and then Tokyo was up there, and then uh, Paris came after, and then Sydney is also in the list. So we decided to recruit cats in these uh, three cities. So we have cats in these specific three cities. Wow. Of course, everything is on the shelf right now with COVID. Yeah, uh, internationally, but uh, that's we're highly uh, fo focused right now on national trip until uh, right. the end of the year. But uh, it's still there. We're going to launch a new service with the Olympics next year, uh, which is the ability to actually hire a cat to go with you on outings. Uh, we thought that it's a perfect opportunity because it's a very foreign country. Yes. Very, yeah. So, you know, you could, you could use that help, uh, especially yeah. with the Olympics and having the Jap Japanese government with us. We get to actually work with them to qualify these cats to help people with the Olympics specifically as well. You know, they can be they can be trained by them, by the Olympics committee, all of that. So we're working on these negotiations and partnerships. Yeah. It's it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> Last question. Last question. How do you get the word out about City Cat? Is it? Is it? Uh, do you do Google ads or do you do? Is it just social media? Like, how do you get the word out? How do people find City Cat? I don't do Google ads. Um, Google ads is based on keywords, and I have all of these big players against me. You know that already purchased these keywords, and I can uh, bid against them. Sorry. Wait. It's okay. <laughs> Oh. Abel, give him the remote, okay? He never lets us hey, have the remote. I'll give you a price, okay? Okay, <laughs> wait for me. Out oh, there. Okay, no. okay, one episode. No. Yeah, that's good. Cool. And have them for one episode or okay. No. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, one episode for now, and then when I leave, hey, hey, okay, off, off, two, okay? <laughs> They're boys. They fight all day that's long. Fine. Yeah, that's right. You get the boys. All right, we're gonna. This is good because we're gonna wrap up here. But um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was I was saying something and it was gonna finish. The, the question was about you know how do you get the word out? How do people find? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want me to finish that up? Yeah, yeah. Finish that off. Okay, how me, do people? Let me close the like, door. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So how do how do you get your traffic and your your yes. clients and all that? Yeah. So I was saying, uh, digital ads don't don't work for us. Uh, you, it's based on keywords. You have to bid. Orbits, you're up against orbits and all those yeah. uh, you know, travelocities and all those guys. Yeah, they don't work for us. And I, I'm, I'm a follower. Oh my gosh, they're back. That's okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm <laughs> okay. sorry. It's okay. 
Five. All we need is like four minutes, maybe three. Yeah, I'm gonna tell them. They're all about, you know, like that. I want to have the remote for a hundred episodes. You cannot have it for a hundred episodes. You can only have it for two episodes. So okay, we'll yes. wrap this up. So yes. in in short, like how do how do how does CityCat get how does CityCat get its leads and its uh, new clients? So with uh with the cats, I, I see the cats also as clients. So with the cats, we do it very manually through Instagram. We recruit yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, then uh, that's that's my team doing that. With the the users, yeah, we we use we've been using social media in our favor because now we're highly focused on Instagram. We're using Instagram. For everything and uh, we're doing a lot of PR as well so I'm trying to get exposure yeah. in anywhere that I can as I said before, yeah as I said before I see that when I have the opportunity to speak I get more traction so I'm always trying to find opportunities for me to speak myself you know like tell people my vision like, this is like, our, like this podcast yeah like this podcast you know this is who I am this is the person behind the business this is what I'm building you yeah. know it's not it's not a, a faceless uh, business. There is a face behind it. There is a person that's really concerned about delivering yeah. the best product for you guys. So that's what I've been doing. I realized that every time that I get the, the opportunity to speak, even if it's for three people, these three people, now they become you know emotionally yeah. attached to me. And then they right. go out there and then they talk to more three and more three. So the word of mouth is very powerful and, and people shouldn't undermine that. You know, it's, it's amazing what you can get from that, like much more that, than digital ads. That's really, really great. A great message at the end here to tell people about when you're starting your startup, that it's really the power of the founder and the vision and the passion of that founder to be able to be infectious, to infect other people is, is like the most powerful force in the universe when it comes to startups, right? It really is. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Lizia, this has been an awesome interview and uh, I'm so glad that you're, I almost wonder if we're going to put the part when you had to negotiate with your, your boys into the, in, into the show or whether that's going to be like a blooper. I don't know yet, but it was great. You should, you should. <laughs> I might put it in there because it was great. It was like true negotiations. It was, it was maybe the toughest negotiation that you have on any given day is right there. I'm telling you, are, after being alone, I can not, do anything. They are not um, interested in working with you. No. <laughs> they want what they want, and they're not negotiating. Yes, and being boys specifically, oh, my gosh, just so territorial. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, so this was really special, and thank you so much, and we'll get this posted in the next couple of weeks. And um, it's, it's just a pleasure to know you. It's an honor, and I just always will be supportive. Um, and just uh, not just, uh, you know, not just as a, a woman founder, which is its own trophy of things, but also just um, founder to founder and all the challenges that go with it. Yes. So yes. here's to okay. here's to you and here. Oh, fellow tech, tech crunch uh, alum as well. Yay. We should get a T-shirt, something. I, don't I know. know. Yeah. I know. OK, have a good night and give my best to you and your family, please. Thank you. You too. It was we'll a pleasure. Thank yes. you. Bye. Good night. All right. Bye.